Mark Twain said, uh, the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you understand why. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Graduates, you will hear this weekend, you'll hear people say, you know what, you can do anything you want in life. And I want to say to you right now, it's not true, okay? You can't do anything that you want in life, but you can do anything that God created you to do. And that, and that plate is big. That, you know, that's, that's a wide canvas that, that you can paint on. Um, some people will say to you, man, be sure and include God in your plans as you move forward. And, and I want to say to you, don't buy that either because God is the one who makes the plans. Live in his plans. Don't try and bring him along to your plans. Live in his plan, and your life will be incredible. It will be incredible. Because the stuff that we've been talking about for the last seven weeks in this More series is true. If you've got the app already to fill in some blanks, here's the first one. It's true because who you are matters. Who you are matters matters. For the last seven weeks, we've been asking these questions. Um, Who did God create me to be? And we talked about our common calling, the answer that's the same for all of us. Who did God create me to be? He created me to be a child of God. He created me to be a disciple of Jesus. That's true for all of us. That's our common calling. But, But two weeks ago, we talked about our unique identity, that the answer, who did God create me to be? That that answer is that God created me to be his workmanship, his, his masterpiece that God made me to be something incredible. And that's true whether you're 18 or whether you're 88. God's design, unique design for you is that you're his masterpiece. Who you are matters. What you do matters. We've asked through this series the second question. What did God create me to do? Who you do matters. The answer for that, the, the answer that's true for all of us, is that God created us to make disciples, to, to, um, to bring the fragrance of Jesus into every crack and crevice of our world. That's what God designed us to do in this life. That's true for all of us. But, but last week, we talked about this fact that God also has a special plan for us in terms of what we're supposed to do. We discover that by knowing our identity, by knowing, by, by taking a, a, a look at ourselves and, and really understanding the things that we're passionate about, the things that are burdens for us, and the needs that exist in our world around us. That helps establish for us. It helps us discover what our unique, um, what our, our uh, what's my word, um, the, the, the things that we're supposed to do, our, our unique purpose, our unique mission. Today we're talking about where you go matters. The answer for all of us, where you go matters. Where, did, where does God, if I'm supposed to be a disciple who makes disciples, if I'm supposed to be a child of God who, who pushes the fragrance of Jesus into every crack and crevice of the world, where am I supposed to do that? The, our common calling, the answer that's true for all of us is wherever we are. Wherever we are, doesn't matter where you work, where you live, where you go to school, doesn't matter what age you are, the answer is wherever you are. But today we're taking a look at if we understand our unique identity, that God made us different than everybody else. He made us into his masterpiece, and he's given us a unique mission. There are specific things that we're supposed to to do 
The question is, where am I supposed to do that? And that's what we're looking at today. Um, now, if I were in your seat in the pew, I'd be thinking, wait a second, you just said the common calling says it doesn't matter that, that we're supposed to um, push out the fragrance of Jesus into every crack and crevice, no matter where we are. We're supposed to be a disciple who makes disciples wherever, wherever we are. So does it, how can it matter where we are? It's because position is critical to the mission of God. Position is critical to the mission of God. If you've got your Bibles, take them out. Feel free to take one out of the back of the, the um, pew in front of you. If you've got your app ready to go, you can look on screen. But what I want to do right now is just take us through kind of a tour of Scripture to help us wrap our arms around the fact that position is critical to the mission of God. It's a big deal in Scripture. God cares about your position. He cares about where you are. Abraham, in the Old Testament, had to go in order to fulfill the mission that God had given him. In order to receive God's promise, Abram had to go to Canaan. Genesis 12, God says to Abram, go from your country, from your people, from your father's household, to everything that you know. Go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. And Abram went as God had told him. Position matters to God. It's critical to the mission of God. Isaiah, one of the prophets, in a, in a passage in Isaiah 6, is in the presence of God. It's a passage that we often quote when we're talking about worship because Isaiah encounters the living God and he is filled with awe, not in the sense of, oh man, that was awesome. He's filled with, with, with fear and awe because of the holiness of God. And God says to Isaiah, who will go for me? Who, who can I send? And Isaiah says, here, here am I. Send me. And God says, okay, go to this people. That, tell this people what I tell you. And Isaiah says, how long do I do that, God? And God essentially says, you know what? Until I tell you to quit, you just keep telling them my message. If you jump to the New Testament and you think about the Apostle Peter, Peter has this clear understanding that Jesus came, the Messiah came for the Jewish people. And God gives him this vision. And, and, and in this vision, all these things that were against the law for the Jews, in this vision, God says to him, no, they're not against the law anymore. God's paving the way for Peter to understand that Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. He came for everybody. He came for the Gentiles. Acts 10, Peter's thinking about his vision. The Holy Spirit says to him, hey, Simon Peter, there are three guys outside your door. They're looking for you. Get up, go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them, for I've sent them. The result of that is that Jesus is available. His, the salvation we experience through Christ is available because Peter went to the house of Cornelius in Caesarea. Position is critical to the mission of God. If you think about Paul, Paul plants churches. He goes on the missionary journeys. He does all that stuff. In the middle of the missionary journey, he has this vision of this guy from Macedonia saying, come, come tell us about Jesus. And Paul sets a new course and goes to Macedonia, trusting that God would have him go there because position is critical to the mission of God. Even Jesus got it. In, in Matthew 16, Jesus says, uh, the, the, Matthew writes and says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem 
and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, that he must be killed, and on the third day, he would be raised to life. That's great news. Just a few, just a few chapters later, Jesus says very directly to his followers, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man is going to be delivered to the high priest, to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised to life. That's great news. Jesus understood that position is critical to the mission of God. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem to fulfill the prophecies. He had to go to Jerusalem in order to be killed and become the sacrifice for us. Jesus, after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, gathers his disciples around and his closing words, his marching orders to his followers are these. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The last thing that Jesus says to his disciples is go, go. Position is, is critical to the mission of God. How do we discover where we're supposed to be, where our location is, what's our position supposed to be? It comes based on the things that we've talked about the last two weeks. Our unique identity, our, our, um, our wiring, our passions, our burdens, the needs that are around us. Understanding who God made us to be and what God created us to do, our unique mission. When we understand those, it begins to give us a framework to be able to understand where would God have me do that in this world? Where would that take place? Um, how many of you have been here for all seven weeks of the Moore series? You guys are rock stars. How many of you have been here for five or six? Um, here's, what, here's what I found in talking to people. There's a whole bunch of people that have said, um, yeah, th this has been a good series, good stuff to talk about the whole calling thing and what God wired us to do. Um, I, I, I haven't really done the, the, the tools, the instruments, you know, the APES, the DISC, the Strength Finder. I, I haven't really done that. I had a conversation with somebody this week, and I said, hey, have you done those? And they said, mm, uh, no, not really. And I said, how come? Well, because they're just going to tell me stuff I already know. And I said, no, I want you to do strength finders. You've got to do strength finders to, to, to understand who you are because that helps, it helps you understand your unique mission. You know what I think was at the core of that conversation? I think that there's a lot of people that haven't done this stuff from two weeks ago because they're scared of what they might find. Because if I discover that my unique identity is something different than I'm doing right now, God is going to call me to change. That's, that's a scary thing. We've got to get a hold of it. We've got to wrap our arms around our unique identity and our unique mission to know where God would have us go. Ben Franklin said, There are three things extremely hard. Steal a diamond and political views expressed on Facebook. <laughs> no, <laughs> he didn't really say that. This is what he said. Three things are extremely hard. Steal a diamond and to know oneself. To really understand who we are. 
our unique, our unique identity, our unique mission. I want to I challenge you to ask two hard questions this week. Find someone that you know and love, that you respect, that you're okay allowing them into your life at a scary level, and ask them these two questions. The first question is this. What is it that I do really, really well that I may not think I do particularly well? What is, what is it that you see in me that you say, boy, that's, God can really use that. That's the first question, and that's a fun question, right? That's a, that's a good thing to hear. Second question is a much harder question. I want you to ask, what are the things that I think I do really well that I don't really do as well as I think I do? That's a harder question, right? We need that kind of input because we need to know and understand who we are. We need to understand our identity. So many of us live our lives based on the expectations of others in our life. Ask yourself, why is it that I have the job that I have? What is it that caused me to land in the job that I have? Is it because I have a clear sense that that's my calling from God? Or is it because I took that job because it was the first job that was available to me? Is it the job, did I choose that line of work because my parents said, you know what, that would be a really good job for you. Maybe it was a teacher in high school that said, man, you're really good at that. You could really go far in that. And, we, and you said, well, yeah, I guess maybe I could. Do you understand that so much of our lives are impacted even now by the expectations of others. Whose expectations are you trying to fulfill? Only God's matters. We can live, we can live in one of three places in our lives. One of three places. Over here we've got the sour spots in life. Okay? That's that's the place that we live that it's a it's the job that we hate. It's just not a good fit for us. It's the job, the location, whatever. You get up every day and you think, God, will this ever stop? You know, anybody been there, done that? You, I see the pain in your faces. So, there are sour spots. There are also salty spots. There are the spots that it's kind of okay. You know, it's an okay place to be. There are some days that it's really good, like somebody sprinkled some salt on your food. Maybe somebody new comes to work and it's like, ah, oh, there's this breath of fresh air. Or, or in that location, all of a sudden you have an opportunity to do something that you've never done before and you think, oh, that's, that's good. It's, it's a salty spot. It's, it's kind of okay. It's bland. It's not terrible, but it's not great. And then there are sweet spots, Right? It's the place that God designed you to be. We, we've talked through this series about sweet spots. There are sweet spots everywhere. There are sweet spots in this room acoustically. There's a place that you can sit that you hear the sound perfectly, and there are some sour spots acoustically in this room, right? In your oven, there's a sweet spot. You put the chocolate chip cookies in there, and they're perfect. You put them on the top rack, and they're not done enough. You put them on the bottom rack, and they're burned, right? There's a sweet spot everywhere. Racquetball. My racquetball racket, it has a sweet spot on it that's, that's great. But here's what, I, here's what I was thinking this week about this message as I played. I can, I, can hit, I can hit the racquetball on the sweet spot of the racket, but if I'm in this kind of position, I'm not going to score a point. I may be able to get it to the wall, but it's going to be a weak shot. If I'm like this, I can still... 
I can still hit the sweet spot, but I'm not going to score a point. But when I get into the right position to hit it with the sweet spot, which is, which is like this, and I'm able to swing and follow through and snap my wrist, that uh, scared you, didn't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. When you hit the sweet spot in the right position, all of a sudden, things go crazy. God is able to do incredible, incredible things. Here's the challenge. Here's the heart of today's message. Pursue your unique position. Pursue your sweet spot. Don't be satisfied with living in a salty spot. It's kind of okay. Don't be satisfied living in the sour spot where you're dreading every day. How, how do you do that? There are three ways to help get to your to your sweet spot. The, the first is, um, is a design-build kind of thing. And graduates, I, want, I just want to say to you, you're in a really unique position. You're entering a new, uh, a new place. A design-build um, arrangement when a building is built brings together the architect and the builder at the same time because the, there's clarity for what that building's use is going to be. So the architect comes together, the builder co comes together, and from the very beginning, they have this concept, this clear concept of what they're going to build. And they, and they pursue it and do it, and it's great. Graduates, you're at a place that you can say, you know what, I understand who God created me to be. I understand what I'm supposed to do, and now I can pursue where I'm supposed to go to accomplish that. That's that design-build concept. Some of you guys can do that. Some of you are kind of like the me mechanic who tinkers, right? Uh, you're, you're already in some place, and I want to encourage you in terms of finding your sweet spot to, to tinker. What's, what's involved in tinkering? It's, it is you, you stay in the current job that you have, in your current location, but you begin to make little modifications so that you're closer to your sweet spot. Maybe that modification is that you just have a little bit of change in your job responsibilities. Maybe it's that you stay in the same company, but you take a new position that's closer to your sweet spot. Maybe, it's, maybe you tinker a little bit more, and maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to stay in the same industry, I'm going to stay in my same home, I'm not going to move geographically, but I'm going to go work for a new company. Maybe the tinkering's even a little bit bigger than that, and you say, I'm still going to stay in our house, still going to stay in this culture that I understand, but I'm going I'm to tinker and move and go to a new job that I've never done before because that's closer to my sweet spot. The third, the third possibility in terms of finding your, your unique position is a major overhaul. The major overhaul is when you have a clear sense, here's my identity, my unique identity, here's my unique mission, and God is calling me to move across the country to move across the world, to, to move into that unique position that he's called me to. Understand that that last option is the option that we think about probably, oh, you know what, if I really understand what God is calling me to do, that's what it's going to be, that's what's going to be involved. I, I would say that God does that. He, he absolutely does that, calls people to take those kind of radical steps. But more often than not, it's, it's about the tinkering phase. I, I want to encourage you, start pursuing your unique position by tinkering. Begin by tinkering. Begin by tinkering. Go talk to your boss. You know, you've got a clear sense of who you are and what you're supposed to do. Go talk to your boss and ask if you can modify your job responsibilities 10%, just 10%, so that you can move from that salty spot closer 
to your sweet spot. Let's, let's say, um, understand that when you do that so that you don't get fired in the process, um, that you've got to be able to communicate to your boss the benefit that's there for the, for the company and for the boss himself. So if you work at a grocery store and you're stocking shelves, you're putting the, the cans of, of uh, stuff, cans of vegetables on the shelf, but you go through this process and you recognize, you know what, God has created me to be a people person. I've got to have interaction with people. And, I, and all I'm doing is just putting the things on the shelf. I never see anybody. It's, it's not a good fit. Go to your boss and say, hey, could I, could I be trained on how to run the cash register? Because you know that learning how to do the cash register will take you from this place or this place, this direction, because you're going to interact with people. Boss may say, eh, no, I really need you to stock shelves. And you're able to say, you know what? If I learn how to run the cash register, when somebody has to go home early, I could move over into the cash register and you wouldn't have to work there. Or when two or three people are off on vacation, you wouldn't have to work a 15-hour day because I could be working at the cash register because I'd already know how to do that. That 10% move that all of a sudden you're sitting in the cash register and you're talking to people, you know, doing your stuff is right in the center of the position. It's moving towards that sweet spot. Start by tinkering. Understand that, that when you tinker, when you make a change, it involves risk and courage. Most of the time when we think about making a change, we think about, the, about moving to something bigger and better, something that's different, that's way out there. I, it's not always that way. I've, I've got a friend named Rick Murray that... Um, he was, a, he was a music minister at a big church in Lexington, Kentucky in the 1980s. It was, it was a mega church at that point. And at that point in time, he was doing big musical productions at Christmas and an Easter. Did the living Christmas tree, you know, with all the people there. And, and thousands of people, thousands of people would come to see the programs that this church did. Busloads would come in. Rick was having an impact on a weekly basis where his life was touching thousands of people. And at, at the holidays, he was touching tens of thousands of people. But Rick recognized that he was in a salty spot. It wasn't his sweet spot. And he had the courage to say, you know what, this is not what God designed me to do. And he quit his job, and he went to work as a music teacher in a Christian school in Ohio. Less than 500 kids in the, in the entire school system. Rick went from a choir of a couple hundred people to doing a choir of 20 or 30 high school kids, a band of 15 kids, where before he'd been directing a, a professional orchestra. It takes courage and risk, but Rick's so much happier in his new role because it's, it's so much closer to a sw his sweet spot. It takes courage to change. It takes courage to take that risk, and yet that's what God calls us to do. David Livingston said, I'd rather be in the heart of Africa in the will of God than on the throne of England out of the will of God. You know, if we had 50 people at North Point, 50 people who dove in and really wrestled with their unique identity, God, who did you create me to be? What's, what's my stuff there? Who wrestled with their unique mission? God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you designed me to do? And answer the question, where is it that you designed me to go? What is it that 
Where is it that you want me to be, God, to be able to live that out? If we had 50 people who, who took seriously the call to find and live in their sweet spot, this church would be a radically different place. Because you'd be living in the sense of, I can't wait to do what God has designed for me. The story of North Point, the story of this church, is the story of Ed and Nancy Manring, who in the 1980s left Michigan, left the United States, to take the gospel of Jesus to the country of Liberia in Africa. It's the story of two teenage girls, two sisters, who, while they were here, had a, had a clear sense that God was calling them to take the gospel overseas to Papua New Guinea, Abby Dunn and Courtney Chanter. It's the story of Herb and Kim Bur- Burkett, who, in this very place, had a sense of call from God that they were to go to the Ukraine. And they took their four young kids and they left. They sold their place, they sold their stuff, and they went to take Jesus to Ukraine. It's a new story that I learned this week, the story of Aaron Hudgens. 13 years ago, before we had moved into this auditorium, over in the other building, if you were around and remember that, Ed Short preached the message, and he told about a people group in Africa that hadn't heard the gospel. And Aaron, a 12-year-old kid, heard the call from God to go. Take a look on screen and listen to her story. When I was 12, I was at my dad's church, and the pastor had a letter from a tribe in Africa, and it basically said, we know that there's a God, but we don't know how to know him. We don't know anything more about him other than he is God. Can you send someone to us to tell us about this God, to tell us how we can have a relationship with him? I knew from that day on that that was what I was supposed to do with my life. And I went outside and I got in the car with my dad and I said, Dad, I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And he said, what? And I said, I'm supposed to be a missionary. And from that day on, God wrecked my heart, broke it over and over and over for people that don't know him. 40% of the world is unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In America, if you have questions about God or Jesus or eternity, the answers are pretty easily found. Whether that be in the Bible or church or someone that knows God, and if all else fails, Google. If you have questions about God, you can pretty much find the answers. There are places in the world that don't have those opportunities. They can't just go down the street um, to hear about God. They can't go talk to a neighbor. It's hard to believe that there are people on every continent that go every day with no hope. People who stand condemned before a righteous God. People that literally go from birth to death without even hearing the name of Jesus. So this is what it looks like for me. In September, I'll be moving to Tanzania with Africa Inland Mission to live among the Zigua people, where we'll be reaching out to them through healthcare, through um, agriculture, through education. 
but mainly just by getting to know them, by building relationships with this people group that God desperately loves and desperately wants to have a relationship with. Um, eventually, by his grace, making disciples of him, and then planning a church with indigenous Tanzanian leadership uh, so that they can have a place to worship him and to learn about him and to eventually tell others the good news. I'll be on a team of about 10 other people. Some are American, some are Canadian, some are actually Tanzanian. Um, we'll be living among them, doing life with them, all the while keeping in mind that we are not the heroes, we're not the ones to be glorified, but we know the hero. We know the one that is to be glorified, and that's who we want to represent. That's who we want to bring and to expose and to lift high among the Zagua people, that they would see Jesus and know that he's Savior, that he's Lord, that he's God, and that he's for them, not only for us, but for them also. I can't do this alone. We weren't meant to do this life with Jesus alone. We're meant to do it together. So this is what I need. I need you to pray. I need you to set a time, set aside time to pray daily, weekly, monthly, whatever that looks like for you, to lift up our team before the Lord, to lift up the Zagua people before the Lord, that they would hear and respond to the gospel. Secondly, I need finances to be able to go. I need you to give monthly so that the gospel of Jesus can go forth to the Zulu people. I'm a nurse, but my main job will be sharing the good news, will be building relationships with the people. So I need finances to support me while I'm there. Lastly, come with me. Follow what Jesus said when he said, go make disciples of all nations. Be a part of that. Be a part of reaching the 40% of the world who have never heard the gospel, who are unengaged, they don't know, they've never heard. Be a part of it. If this is something you want to get involved with, contact me. Let me know. I would love for you to be on my team so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth to the Zagul people. Here's the question. Aaron said on the video, uh, they're not heroes. But we look and we say, you know what? People like Aaron, like the Burkitts, like Tim and Courtney Chanter, Jag and Abby Dunn, we say, ah, they're, they're heroes. And they are because they're serious about pursuing the go that God has given them. Don't miss, though. Don't miss this, though. If you embrace the go that God has given you here in mid-Michigan, you are every bit the hero that they are. Because that 40% of the world's population that doesn't know Jesus are people that are around you in your life already now. When you understand who God created you to be, 
what he created you to do. And you understand that he's created you to go into your world exactly where you are, uh, doing some tweaking, making, doing some tinkering, to be in that sweet spot. When that happens, life changes dramatically. You know, there have been two scriptures that we've, I think that we've quoted every week in this series. Ephesians 2 says, we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created, uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created you for good works and made a path for you to walk in them. When we do, when we're in that sweet spot, all of a sudden life changes. It's not dull. It's not drudgery. It's not bland. It rocks. Because Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came to give you life and life to the full. I came to, I, I came to give you this life that just explodes with meaning and joy and love. Doesn't mean it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to be hard. But it's going, to be, it's going to be different in your sweet spot because you understand what God is doing. Can we live in our sweet spot uh, nonstop? Probably not. Are we always going to be there? Probably not. But if we're all the time tinkering, if all the time we're taking those steps to try and move towards that sweet spot, to being in that right location, God is going to do incredible stuff. Many of you Many of you believe, you understand intellectually, you get, yes, I am uniquely designed by God. God made me special. And you, and you get in your head as well, yes, God has a plan for my life. He made me to do something. And you get that. But when you get to the go piece, it gets scary because you recognize that when you understand that identity, when you understand that mission, if God calls you to go someplace, the only thing that makes sense is for you to say yes, like Isaiah, here am I, send me per to pursue his plan. Understand that you will never be as happy or as fulfilled living your plan as you are living God's plan for your life. That that, that path that God designed for your walk will be infinitely more fulfilling than the one that you designed. Um, so, so here's my close. Don't wait for your go. Pursue it. Start now. Don't wait for your go. If God created you uniquely prepared works for you to do, why would you think that it would make sense to wait to discover where you're supposed to do that? Saddest thing in the world would be to come to your death and to realize, you know what? I knew who God designed me to be. I know what he wanted me to do but I never said yes. That's the challenge. Pursue that go. Live out your personal um, mission, your uh, identity, your mission, and, uh, and, and find that location where God can use you. Let's pray. God, my desire it really is that you would help us discover all that. God, that we wouldn't float through life, that we wouldn't 
be in the kayak and just float downstream without any p- paddles in the water. God, that, you, that we wouldn't be in the kayak and, and just have one paddle in, that common calling or maybe the unique calling, but that it would get it all, what you designed for us, that would pursue it and that our world would be turned upside down. It would rock in a way it never has before because we're living in the center of your calling for us. God, help us to take those steps. Help us to figure out how to make that 10% tweak. God, help us, help us to hear your voice and to follow where you lead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One last thing. Um, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, none of this makes any sense. We would love, I would love to introduce you to him. Um, coming down after the service. Let's talk. Let's stand together. Let's sing.